Hello and welcome to episode 456 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm um, good. I've had sleep. Yeah, sleep's what? pretty cool. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Like once or twice every year, I, I I figure, you know what, I should probably just have a bit of sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, yesterday was that day. It was pretty good. Yeah, well, like, uh, I, I, it's good that you're getting more regular sleep. I know you used to be like, oh, it's nice to sleep every leap year, but um, yeah, yeah, change yeah. is good. Change I'm now doing good. it biannually. Yeah. yeah well, you've got to cool. be inclusive, don't you? <laughs> That's what I'm all about. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we have been watching a little bit of the World Cup. You've watched nearly every game. I've watched... Um, Quite a fair few of the games. Haven't seen too much of the games over the last two days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll do a bit of a recap on what we um, what what we've seen so far, mostly from uh, round two. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've seen every game in full, except uh, there was a game in round one between Italy and Scotland, which I saw some of it, and then I saw highlights. So I've seen every other game in full. Nice. Uh, so. What about that Italy Scotland game? Oh, Italy won twenty eight four. Yeah, yeah, bit of a shock. Scotland has been surprisingly more disappointing than I really thought they would be. Yeah, they have. They've been really poor. Um, I remember, I, I know they're not. Like, I'm not expecting them to be world beaters, but they do have a solid enough forward pack, and I thought that they would be strong enough to be able to beat Italy, not flog. But, you know, one of those games where it's like 18 to 12 or 18 to 10 or something like that, I figured that's what they do against Italy. Well, as, um, I've, as I've been told by morons on Twitter, Scotland just needs more World Cups to get better, Andrew. Ah, uh, right. We've just got to give them a bit more time. I don't think Scotland gets enough help, you know? They need more. I've got a bit to say. I've got a bit to say today. Sounds good. Well, in that game, um, Jake Mason... Uh, the Italian, I think he's fullback, uh, had a great game in that one. Uh, three tries, four goals. He pretty much just owned Scotland on his own. Was he playing fullback or was he out? I felt like he was out in centres when I, the bit that I saw. Um, um, actually, he, was, he was on the he was on the wing, but I thought oh, there you go. when I saw him playing, it looked like he was taking a few kicks at fullback. Sometimes I'm, I might be wrong. Look, I didn't. That's the one game I haven't seen the whole thing of. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, Italy surprisingly um, surprisingly good so far, which is yeah. which is great to see. It I, is. I mean, how many World Cups have they had? This is their second, I believe. Their second one. Second or third? Maybe their right. third. So Scotland um, must be in their first then. Well, yeah. Exactly. If you don't include all the other ones Scotland's been in, this is their first one. Exactly. Look, and people yeah. know that I get on Italy's case quite a bit. But at least Italy have a domestic competition. They've actually got two domestic competitions, but they've got a domestic competition and they're getting more actual Italians into the side. And, yeah, it's not ideal. But at least you can see a trajectory for them, you know? That's all I want to see. Yeah. We we can argue till we're blue in the face about the uh, eligibility criteria, but... Doesn't really matter which way you look at it. I think most of the arguments are going to be correct to some extent. But for 
the countries that are more emerging, not fully established, like um, Greece and Italy, for example, and Jamaica even, allowing players who have got heritage to play for them is a way of trying to get a bit more interest in those countries into the game while also trying to make sure the team isn't being completely steamrolled like Russia, Russia was in that 95 World Cup. I, I think the other thing is too... Trying, like, to keep them, trying to keep them competitive, to try and keep some interest in there and hope that it helps to build the game. And eventually it leads to, you know, the team being full of domesticated players. That's that's the romanticised view of it all and what the whole purpose of it is. I know it doesn't work out that way. And I know it's more cases than one, it's kind of a lot of domestic players are getting the team to the World Cup and then they're being discarded for these heritage players. And it feels very unfair that way. I don't think there's any genuinely fair way to go about it because the overall picture is trying to get the game played in more countries and more local competitions being played. And it's a weird balancing act that it's not, it's not organised right, let's be honest. But we can see what they're trying to do, the IRL. Yeah, and, and look, when it comes to Greece and Jamaica in particular, if you haven't seen too much criticism from me over those teams. Um, I think you can be critical of the format of the World Cup, that we have teams in the competition that are basically no chance to really do anything at all in it. So you can talk about the format of the World Cup. But I'm not going to get on, you know, you know, Greece or Jamaica in their first World Cup. It's their first chance at it. Um, they're seeing what standards they have to get to. Yeah. Uh, any of my criticism is towards teams that we keep burning World Cup spots on. And we do that at the exclusion of giant parts of the planet. And I just think that we need to stop that. And some of the when I when I've pointed that out, some of the arguments I've got back are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but we'll get to that. Let's go through the results. Let's have a look at the results going from today's match backwards through to, I think okay, the, la so the last match we haven't reviewed on here was uh, Wales versus Cook Islands. That's the only okay. one. There. Okay. Okay. So round two, it's almost rounded up actually. Tomorrow morning at 5.30, the last game will be PNG versus Cook Islands for this yep. round. Yep. Um, so this morning we had Tonga beat Wales 32 to 6. Hmm. Um, yesterday Samoa beat Greece seventy-two to four. Lebanon beat Ireland thirty-two fourteen on the twenty-third of October. New Zealand beat Jamaica sixty-eight to six, and England beat France forty-two eighteen. Fiji beat Italy sixty to four, and Australia um, had, it was a pretty it was a pretty tough walk in the park there, eighty-four nil mm. against Scotland. Narrow one. Narrow one. Um, so, and then we had Wales versus the Cook Islands was the last game of the first round, which is actually a pretty good game. It uh, was a bit of a contest, one of the best games of the World Cup. Um, yeah, Cook Islands got got home on that one, eighteen twelve. Mm -hmm. um, good, good forward battle in that one. I just, it's it's surprisingly um, the the teams from the British Isles, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, even England have got reasonably good forward packs, as in competitive. Um, defensively, they, they do hold their own reasonably well in the middle, but the edges and the back lines, they seem to be of a lower quality to the, what the forwards are. And so we're finding that 
when they come up against um, some of those mid-tier teams, you got good contests going on there. But when they come up against the top elite teams, they get exposed hard. I, I think some of the things we've seen is uh, I, I think that they've been prepared very well. The the um, like teams like Ireland look like they prepared pretty well considering what they've got to work with. I think Wales are the same. I think they've prepared pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I and I think that they've taken advantage in some cases against teams that have either look out of sorts which Tonga looked out of sorts in this this last game we watched. If we go back through, so the last game has been Tonga versus Wales. I thought Tonga played really poorly. I thought that many of their players looked unfit. Their structure was terrible. Um, I know that they brought a lot of their extra players into this team to get them a run in the World Cup, but they just there was stupid passes and things like that that are just very disappointing. And you know, you know what they look like they look mm. like Samoa three years ago. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it was just disappointing. They should have ran through Wales. To Wales's credit, they hung in there through the entire match. Um, and, and they did everything you could have asked them to do. At one point early on, they led the match. But it was, you know, watching this game, I'm watching Tonga and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with them? You know? Uh, and the thing that concerns me most is when you see players that, look like they've put on a few kilos. Like David Fafita, I swear, he's putting on more weight every time I see him in this World Cup. <laughs> it's really shocking. And this is a guy that should be steamrolling everyone. And instead, he's going to the steam rolls, you know. Um, and he wouldn't get steamed once, he'd get deep fried ones. <laughs> but, he's not even waiting for him to be cooked. You look over and you say, David, just... Just steady up on the on the eating, all right, mate. And you go, yeah, yeah, no worries. And you look around and you two look back and he's got a big Mac and he's going, where'd you get that from? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's shocking though because some of these teams that uh, you think a lot of and you expect them to do well, I think that they're turning up and they're expecting to win games. And then I'm seeing the likes of England who are who are well prepared and look on, and I'm seeing Australia who just look like completely switched on and you know even New Zealand I think has been a little disappointing so far but that's the that New Zealand does that they start off a little bit slow so Australia is looking like a genuine number four team in the world right now aren't they I don't think so I think they look so far out ahead of everyone would you put would you put them in the top three I think I'd put. I might even put them ahead of England. You know, oh. I know it's a big call considering the fucking rankings. Oh, hot take. <laughs> uh, Samoa's game over Italy, similar thing. Uh, Samoa looked that they didn't play well, and yet they won seventy seventy two points to four. Lebanon and Ireland was a really good game. It was pretty spicy as well at times. Um, but to be Le- honest, though, I mean. Ireland's got a – they've got a team full of blokes who are playing either Super League or Championship and Luke Keary. Mm. Um, whereas Lebanon have got players who are playing at similar or lower levels than that. And Yeah, but they've got – you know what? They're, they're NRL players, and you saw it in this game. Their NRL players were setting some stuff up and NRLing the shit out of Ireland with, like, there was one play where they – 
they went off the they went off the uh, the play the ball went outside and put a ball back inside. I think it was uh, to the young Bulldogs bloke um, Karaz, I think his name is, and it was just they NRL'd the shit out of that game, and so their NRL players are really having a big impact there. The thing for me though is that 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 Irish team should be performing a lot better against someone like Lebanon. Not necessarily saying they should be beating them. Mm. They shouldn't be getting beat by 18 points by Lebanon. Well, yeah, if they... They shouldn't if, be conceding 30 points from against Lebanon. They should be doing a lot better than that, given they're not a an atrocious side. Yeah, and look, we, we talked about this a little bit coming into the World Cup, or about how European teams were going to do. And so far outside of England, they've been very, very poor. You know, um, New Zealand smashed Jamaica, did it in second gear. Uh, like they, I was a little bit disappointed with that New Zealand performance because Jamaica's not very good at all. They might be the worst team in the World Cup. Uh, England beat France. That game was interesting. Um, I do Eng- like, though, that as, I know if, I really wanted France to win this, but I, I do like um, Arthur um, Morg, who's their young half. Yeah. Very talented um, young player. Just needs to have a few more um, skilled players around him, and it would really shake up the the French attack. Um, I'm I so desperately want to see France beat England. They, I think they will eventually. I think that look the, in the, there was part of this game that it was forty two eighteen. At one point, it looked like France would could sneakily come back into the contest, and then I can't remember what it was, but something happened, and it was like just. Well, at, at half time, uh, England led eighteen to twelve. But when as soon as they come back, um, Whitehead, Radley, they both scored tries within five minutes, uh, and then Dominic Young bagged a double in ten minutes. And so that was four. Pretty sure it was four converted tries that they put on and had nothing against them. So they went from eighteen twelve to forty two twelve. France needed to score first in that start of that second half, and their defence was just not... It wasn't where it needed to be. Um, and that's the problem they had in their first game against... Uh, was it Greece? They just did this thing where they just, every now and then, turned off mm. and let the opposition come back in. And against a team like Greece, they can afford to do that because Greece is very inexperienced and it's doesn't have a, a team that's as strong as France. France were able to turn, switch back on and then take the game and, and go and, you know, run on with the game and get the win. Mm. But against a team who is as good as France or better, such as England, by the time you've turned back on, Ben, you've let in four, you've let in four converted tries, you've lost the game. It doesn't matter what you do after that. You're not going to get back in time. You only had 15 minutes to try and score, what, five converted tries to level the scores. Not happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things about France is they, they seem to lack some big mobile forwards. Uh, and this is something you've seen at this World Cup is that uh, players in, that come from different nations, they will be their, their body type and what they expect from themselves physically will be what their local competition demands. Um, and then when they come up against uh, teams that are, like about fitness and mobility in the forwards and stuff. They're just not physically set up for that sort of thing. And France looks like one of those teams to me where 
They don't have any really big forwards up front. They're all kind of about the same size. They're all like stocky second rollers. Yeah, and I think it, you've got um, Desaria and Sangare are the only two that are big blokes. And the and rest it, are all workers. Yeah, and it, look, it works for what they are used to, what they're used to coming up against, you know. But it's it's not where they should be, and and I guess that's one of the difficulties about developing international rugby league, and that's why you need to have that in more international exposure is that because France, for the most part, only really get to play England, you know, yeah. and so they're set up to play England and they're playing English players in Super League. So they're, 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 what they feel as though the demands on them are, they set themselves up for that, whereas when you go to a different level of competition, you need more than that. And that's where, like, the players that are all coming over from the NRL, it, you know, it's like it, it, it's, you know, steel sharpening steel. That There's always this new thing you've got to try and keep up with, whereas in these other countries, I think sometimes we're seeing that you haven't got that happening, and so you get players that are of a certain physical build, and it affects them when they come into a World Cup. Yeah, I'd, I think they'd do really well if they spent three years three consecutive years mm. between two World Cups. Every year they play against the Pacific nations, including Australia. Just they'll come over one year. We go over there for a year, something like that. I don't care what mm. happens, but they just come over and they play, play against teams who have got the majority of their players are playing in the NRL, mm. bigger bodies, different style. Come over and play that more consistently and get – you know, try and field a team to combat that and, you know, try and be successful against it. Don't worry about the result. Your idea is to go over there and change your style a little bit, um, learn something, and be competitive so that when you do come up against England, you're throwing something different to them because what we get when we've got England playing France is the same thing we get when we've got Australia playing New Zealand. It's just a bunch of Super League players playing against one another. Mm-hmm. Australia plays New Zealand, it's just a bunch of NRL players against one another. They need to go and play against completely different style and different body shapes that they're not used to. And I think that would it'd only take three years to the for a change to come in and take place. I'd also like Trent Robinson to have more of a say in what goes on with the, the French team. I know he's there as a director at the moment. I tell you what, I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, this is good. And when I watch France play, I'm like, well, what the fuck's he been doing? The, the, the most thing that he's been working on has been that I saw in the, especially in the game against Greece, that first game was the defensive structure. They're not what, what would happen with France an awful lot is it's kind of like when you see someone playing FIFA for the first time, they just go to where the ball is all the time and there's just holes everywhere in the defense. And so he's got them so they're all defending a lot better and their sliding defense is a lot better. Um, so was that the other one was patience in attack. And yeah, those are the two really big things that he's managed to get sorted out with France. The next part is the next is the biggest part, and that is endurance and focus, and to stay in that game for eighty minutes doing that sort of stuff. I tell you what, if if I if I was in charge of making France better in three years' time, I would go into the French rugby league competitions and I would I would look at I would look at athletes and body types and things like that. I would pick out the youngsters. And I would send them down to play the best youngsters in the Australian competition, 
like the Jersey flags and all that sort of level up from there um, and have them just going through, like at the end of the season, set up with the Panthers Academy and stuff like that to just play games against them and just give these young blokes a look at other young athletes and where they're at in terms of their football and their endurance and stuff like that and where they're, they're going to be going. Um, that's what I would do. Because It'd be good if you actually actually on that, if you could actually put them in some of those flag teams. So they're not just playing against them, but playing with them. So they get an understanding on both sides of the field. Look, it would be, but then you're taking a young kid out, you know, yeah. out of their country and stuff, unfortunately, and, and that's that's rough. But I, I think that that's what France needs to do. I think that for France, it's about now moving towards athleticism and and that sort of thing for them to get to the next step. Um, Just for and, the most part, I think their playmakers are showing that they've got enough ball skill to be creative enough to. I mean, they can put on three tries against England. Yeah, they understand the game. They understand um, the game. They do some silly shit though. There's every so it's often. Always it's, been there though. Yeah, and that like, look, that's where they will do something amazing, and you'll be like, oh, I can't believe he even did that. You know, you know? They, they're kind of like discarding this year. They're kind yeah. of like the West Tigers of international football. <laughs> it was a long time ago that they were really fucking brilliant, and when <laughs> they were brilliant, they were playing amazing attacking football. And didn't matter who you were, you just loved watching them play. Mm-hmm. For the Tigers, that was 20 years ago. For France, it was 60 years ago. Um, but since that moment, it's just been lots of treading water. And the main part of their DNA, though, is playing with flair. Mm-hmm. That was always there. The other one was having forwards. This is I'm talking historically, long way back in the past. Had forwards who were big units, mm-hmm. and they didn't mind bashing the living fuck out of people. Yes. And, <laughs> and they've lost that that bit in the forwards a little. Yeah. They've still got that attacking flair that just comes out of nowhere, and it's sort of like a, someone's pressed a panic button. Yeah. <laughs> That's still there in the French rugby league. I, I don't know if it's something that you want to entirely remove mm. or how you would cut it back. It just seems to always turn up. Uh, and the West Tigers have always had that. They've, they've got this thing in their brains, and as soon as they put on a West Tigers jump, it doesn't matter who it is, it's like, okay, now we've just got to throw the ball around a lot and hope it works. <laughs> going, True. No, just, just fucking stop. Sometimes you've got to grind it out. And yeah. look, that's one of the things that even England has, has only just cottoned onto, I think, where like sometimes you have to complete sets of six. Hey, it, yeah. it helps you, you in the end. Now, um, Fiji walked through Italy, uh, it's not really much you can say about that. Fiji did what they were supposed to do. They probably should have scored a few more points, but, you know, um, it's 60 points to four. What are you supposed to be critical of that? Australia absolutely flogged Scotland. Um, Australia is head and shoulders above everyone so far in pretty much every area that I've seen. It's going to be interesting when they play against a, a, an opposition that's going to be an opposition to them. We've got to um, mention that try by Adokar car at the end. Well, yeah, that was incredible. Uh, the where... flick from Burton between his... He, he did, essentially, a Nick Kyrgios between the leg shot, but with a pass while jumping over the sideline. Well, I mean, fuck off. Flying over the sideline. And look, there were a couple of times there where Addo Carr gets the ball. And look, I, I've, I've talked about many times in this podcast, the first time I saw Addo Carr in person, and it was like something was going on with the Matrix. There was a glitch. He was so quick. And... These poor bastards in the Scotland team, they were seeing him getting the ball and they're like, okay, I've got plenty of sp- – where is he? He's gone. 
He's already scored. <laughs> what and happened? It, yeah, and it was. I like swear that. there was someone there. Um, I I think uh, Cleary in the halves they looked better, especially with him and Yo. I think DCE is probably not going to play another game in the World Cup if we're fair dinkum because we need our combinations to be good for the finals. Cleary and Munster, I knew it would work. Well, look, Munster in this game, he had some good moments, but there were a lot of bad moments as well. There might have been. I think, though, for Munster, though, he's getting better at knowing when he needs to get involved. Yeah, he needs to. Yeah. he He saw Cleary was comfortable. So you know he didn't have to overplay his hand anywhere. And so he was sort of taking, I found a lot of times, he was taking a back seat because Cleary was obviously cool, calm. He had it under control. Mm. Um, And I think when Munster takes too much of a back seat and he doesn't inject himself as much, he does just get a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And look, it's, it's a learning thing for him because it's something that he, obviously at the Storm, it's the complete opposite. He wants to be in everything, even at uh, Queensland level. Um, yeah. He'll take a back seat when it's time, but then he will completely dominate. And you really can't do that at international level unless your name is like Wally Lewis, <laughs> you know, and, and then you can do that. But, you know, it's probably a good thing for him that he had a game like that. Um I, I think that Latrell Mitchell will come back into the side. I, I, it was good to see a lot of young blokes get a run. Uh, Burton got a run, which was good for him. He looked um, good too. Yeah, he did. He, like it's, it's not that they're not good players. It's just that Latrell Mitchell is a monster, and these other teams, pretty much every other team, when they've come up against Latrell Mitchell, it's like this guy's a forward that's bigger and faster and stronger than everyone. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. So it, that's the, all it is, you know. Um, but, yeah, that was they did what they had to do against Scotland, and, and I saw things in that game. I didn't say anything that concerned me, is what I'll say. No, no, no. And so, yeah, they're all the games so far. Well, other than Scotland. Well, S- Scotland... Let's be honest. I mean, when you've got a team that's got a... Um... Two two NRL centres playing in your front row and your back row. I I think that Scotland shouldn't be in the next World Cup. Um, let's um, talk. Let's talk about the World Cup so far overall. In terms of, it's not been competitive for the most part. How many games we've seen? Like what three close games, and one of them was close-ish. Um, yeah, this round was not a great one. Lebanon Island was the closest game. Yep. Um, and last round it was, um, it was Wales Cook Islands was close. Yeah. New Zealand, Lebanon and France, Greece were closer than I expected. Tonga, Papua New Guinea was the, it's been the best game so far. Easily. Yeah. A proper contest. To be honest, PNG kind of screwed a bit in that game. Yeah. It felt, it felt a bit screw jobby. Um, but you know, that's football. Um, I, and credit to them. They didn't sit there and bitch about it. They just went, no, oh, we just got to keep playing. I tell you what, of all of the teams, like I, if Shay come up against, say, PNG at some point, it would worry me. They're, they're the one team so far that I've looked at and I've thought, ooh, they're, they're on. They're, even in that game against Tonga, like they were on. So They just, they just don't stop coming. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, it's they're, they're they're such a good team, and they're 
they're brutal in defence. And the thing is that I think that they're getting to that point now where they've also got some size in their team, which is something that they that hurt oh, them. Yeah. And now they're getting size into the team and they're still hitting hard. It's it's they're a very good team. Um, but yeah, so it's been uncompetitive, and we can't overlook that. The teams from Europe, for the most part, have been. I take England out of it because England have done everything you could have asked from them. They've been from disappointing to absolutely atrocious. And I think that in the next World Cup, we need a couple of less teams there. And I think that we need to take some of the qualification spaces from Europe and give them to one to Africa and one to Asia. and One to and, Americas? Well, maybe even if you gave an extra one to the Americas and you looked at it as investment in the future, I would yeah, be happy with that too. That's what we've got to do, though. We've got to start trying to make the game more than just essentially two continents playing against one another. 100%. Because, and look, that, will they be comp- any more competitive? Probably not. Have they got more scope to build? Yes. Have they had their opportunity? No. Do we want to represent the entire world? Yes. So put them fucking in. We need yeah. to have less of these European teams. Like how many more World Cups uh, World Cups we're going to burn on Scotland, <laughs> Ireland and Wales and the like where they do, have never done anything, you know? Yeah. I've I've got an idea on how to improve it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I think too much focus has been on the number of teams and we must have this set number of teams we currently got. Mm-hmm. We can open up to more teams. But what we need to have is we need to group in the teams based on, you know, how strong we think they are. So it doesn't mean that we put Australia in a group with England, New Zealand and Tonga. Mm-hmm. But we can have two of those teams in one group, two of the teams in the other group. That automatically makes two groups have at least one strong game in them, but the other two teams in there can't be miles behind. They can't be, you can't have Australia in the same group as Greece, for example. Yeah. But then you end up with that world cup that we had, I think it was a couple of world cups ago where they have a super group and I hate it. No, 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 I'm not finished. Okay. Okay. So the group that's make a group E or whatever, right? The fifth group that can be all the weaker teams. They play one another. They still have close games. They're not getting thrashed. When we get to the playoff stage, their first playoff game is against the team in the next group up, which is, you know, they're the next tier up, right? That can be your Scotland, your, your Ireland, your Wales, that sort of thing. Andrew They'll be in that group, and they play their finals in that one. The yeah. winners of that are playing against the slightly next stronger team, and so on and so forth. And that way, you're making sure that you're still getting the right teams are playing in the finals, but there's not these constant floggings, and the teams that you'll want to improve and build upon because they're just new to the World Cup – they're also not being deterred by being constantly flogged all the time. They might lose, but you'd rather come away with a 22 to nil loss than an 84 to nil loss. You know, you've looked competitive. And I'll it's tell you the problem. You build upon. I'll tell you the problem, Matt. You just super aided me, okay? I I'm switched not super off. Aided you, man. you super aided me, dude. This is going back to something that you you love. This is the fucking Mortal Kombat system. But you're super... No, 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 no. There's no Super 8 here. This is Mortal Kombat. I I can't do it. I can't do it. No, man. This this will work. I can't do it. Like... You can have... As I said, you can have an extra group where you put an African team in there, an American team in there. They're all in that bottom group. They're playing one another. They're not 
cannibalized. They're not being cannibalized by Australia, England, New Zealand, Tonga, and just getting the absolute shit smashed out of them. Okay. How so is that sh- helping anyone? We should how put. Is, how is we getting should... Greece up against tomorrow and getting flogged by fucking seventy? How is that good for Greece? Yeah, or anyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These games are so hard to watch. Um, yeah. Okay. Jamaica well... getting absolutely annihilated by New Zealand, who weren't even trying. How's that helping? I know. Uh, you know, we've got to stop. We've got to stop doing this. We need to do a poll. Okay. Your Mortal Kombat system versus my system. Okay. Now let me do my thing for my system. We take the likes of Wales, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Greece, Jamaica. Put them on a rocket, shoot it at the sun. Okay. So we have less teams in the World Cup. Okay. And that's it. We just play a, a, a smaller World Cup. Leave Jamaican Greece there. How's about instead of having Wales, Scotland, Ireland, England, we just have Great Britain? You know, I, I was thinking about this on the weekend and I'm thinking, like, what would be the downside? Because we're not taking these games to Scotland and Wales and fucking no. Ireland. It's crazy, right? No, we're doing nothing. We're doing nothing. So why not nothing just have Great Britain back? Yeah, exactly. Like, would it be worse to have Great Britain involved and have them, say, play in those countries? I don't think it would be worse. No. But we're not doing anything with them. We're not. Yeah, we have not done anything with Rugby League in Wales, Ireland or Scotland. And so that's what my point is, is like... So why don't you we... just make it Great Britain and you've got four teams in one then, then you've just freed up three spots. Exactly. And like You then... can leave you can leave Greece and Jamaica there, help them develop further, but you can just bring in, as you said, a, a team from, from Africa, you can bring in a team from America, you can bring in a team from elsewhere. You've opened it up to other countries without having to do anything else. Yeah, true. I, I just think that we're I'm seeing so many teams from Europe and we knew this was gonna happen coming into the World Cup. And they're coming up against sides that are, some of them aren't even trying and still flogging them. And at what point are we supposed to say, you know what? There might be a better way to do this somehow. And when, but when you bring that up, you get, and it's not very many people, but you get a small, small minority of people that just whinge about, oh, you've been so negative about the World Cup. And it's like, listen, okay, on this podcast, we're completely independent. We don't need to kiss anyone's ass. And we don't fucking lie to our listeners. That's okay? right. So we're going to tell people what the fuck is actually going on. You're seeing a World Cup that is a lopsided mess, that is poorly run. They're not selling fucking tickets. They're, there's fuckery with the tickets on top of that. I saw fucking Steve Mascord was on his Twitter yesterday saying, you know what, if you tuned in to watch two minutes of Greece getting hammered against Samoa, then we gotcha. You know, they it's if you got tricked into it, we gotcha. That's exactly what the World Cup people want. And it's like, what, we never want people to watch rugby league again? Like, if the goal is to trick people to watching the game instead of actually being like, man, you should get, you should watch the Rugby League World Cup. It's fucking amazing what's going on there at the moment. The games are really good, really good football. Don't know who's going to win it. That's what the goal should be. It shouldn't be to fucking trick people into watching the World Cup. Yeah, but I think from his perspective, he's, he's, the mindset is no one is looking at it other than people who are already diehard fans. We need to try and get people who aren't diehard fans to glance at it. That's what helps. And it's good. This, this World Cup always had to be more about the marketing. 
the fact that they actually got the games on free-to-air TV in England is it's great. quite an achievement. Yeah, great. And yeah, it would have been absolutely fantastic to have a bunch of competitive games. And as we've already said... That's right, buddy. As we've already said, the scheduling could have been a lot better to ensure that we had more competitive games more often. I just, to me, there's this thing that's inside my head that thinks that every time there's a World Cup on, the International Rugby League always wants to make sure that we have um, weaker nations grouped in with stronger nations to ensure that the stronger nations always make it through to the finals so that no one goes home disappointed. And I would rather see, in, in my ideal world, I'd like to see Group A to be Australia, England, New Zealand and Tonga. I know that that's probably people are going to hate it, but you know what? I get to see the team that leads that group being the best damn team. They've earned that. But you know what? You could make an 18 World Cup and have that. And then in the other group, you could, you could have a, te- a, a World Cup with those teams, and then in the other group have, like, PNG, Samoa, Fiji, and I don't know who would be the other one. Cook Islands. Yeah, Cook Islands, yeah. Uh, and uh, th- that would be more interesting to me to watch, you know, yeah. and anybody that's – I just don't think the marketing strategy for the Rugby League World Cup should be based on watching two girls, one cup. Where everyone saw that once for 15 minutes, you know, not a not a proud fab. No, no, it's okay. Not a proud fab, but we watched it once and we left, never to return, and we will always have nightmares about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. It's just at the moment, it's about trying to get eyes on it, yeah, and I think that's what Mascord's point is because I think he's also talking on the sense of. Not just the international game, but the game in England in general. Yeah, but we're opening up the game to people who will never fucking watch it again because we opened up the game to them. If you watched Samoa versus Greece and it was the first game you've ever seen in rugby league, would you tune into another one? Um, I fucking wouldn't. Yeah, like I think for me, the, the way I compare it is in, what was it, 2006? I chose to watch the um, the Soccer World Cup, mm-hmm. bunch of games there, because I think it was the first time Australia qualified in decades. Mm-hmm. And I tuned in to watch it, and Australia, I think, might have lost every game in that World Cup. And I've not watched one since. We got, and, I think we got screwed against Italy. We can, No, we won some games in that World Cup, because I, I think we got through to a knockout stage, and then we got screwed against Italy. Yeah, I can't remember. Mm. I stopped watching. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean, though? Like, But that, you, that's the thing, is that... Uh, this is the thing. I'm I'm under I'm completely uh, on your side in the argument. I'm kind of more trying to I suppose explain the the masculine comment. I don't think it's his view. I think it's more of a view of what England wants out of this World Cup, and that is we want people to see us. <laughs> and that's like what... they're in the corner of the room in yeah. a room full of humans, and they're just waving their finger saying hello. Can you see me? Anybody? But then it's like, well, is it, is this a World Cup or is this just a promotional tool for a fucking dying Super League competition? Cause I'd if say it's, a, it's more of the latter than it is the former. And if that's the case, we should never hold the World Cup in England again. And I don't think we will. I think that this is the death knell of holding World Cups in England because, like, no one's fucking turning up. You can talk about the ticket prices, and I, I accept that. And I, let me say this. I'm not blaming attendees of rugby league in England for not attending these games. Well, let's let's get to something that actually hasn't really been discussed. 
Okay. okay. We're holding this World Cup in England. We don't yes. have a huge supporter base for rugby league in England as it is anyway. Apparently, yes. Now, furthermore, the English competition is so stupidly fucking long. You're asking your rugby league fans there, and as you said, you rightfully said, this is not on them. No, not you're at all. You're asking them to turn up to 20 fucking six games and then 10 other bloody games every year to support their team. And then you go, now we want you to pay 40 fucking pounds to go and watch England play World Cup games. Fuck that. I'm not yeah. doing that shit. I've given you like a whole fucking year's worth of mortgage <laughs> repayments to go to rugby league games. And you want more from me? Fuck mm. off. Yeah. 100%. I'd be off. I don't, I don't, I don't decry a single English rugby league fan from saying I don't want to go. It's too expensive because they're absolutely fucking right. One hundred percent. Why don't they make the season when they've got the World Cup in England? Why don't they make the competition, the domestic season shorter for the fans' sake, for the players' sake? So the players aren't playing till two weeks before the World Cup starts. Those, those English players have been in the Scottish, Irish, Welsh ones, French ones. They've been playing so much football this year. And they'll have fuck all break, and then they're back into it next year. The fans have, you know, times are tough financially everywhere, and mm-hmm. they're trying to ask them to go and do more of that. It's so stupid. Yeah, the criticism is all on the organisers, not the fans one bit. No, the, the English fans... We'll joke about them, okay? But when when it comes down to it, the rugby league fans in England are so insanely committed to the game, considering mm-hmm. how much more of their games they have to go and see than what we do in the NRL. Mm-hmm. And they do it. And even the guys whose teams are a championship team or a League One team, they may not have huge crowds, but they've got the same people going all the time and they've been doing it for decades and they keep turning up. Um, I've got nothing but respect for the English supporters who keep going to the games all the time. They go to so many of them at their own expense and to ask them to pay two, three times more per game to go and watch World Cup games, that's bullshit. That's utter yeah. bullshit. And and look, we're, we're hearing stories about, and I think I might have mentioned it on the last podcast, where um, they, you're rocking up to the – first of all, it's it's – almost impossible to get the tickets online like the the system is so bad or pre-ordering tickets and so people are going to the gates they're in huge lines where there's very small crowds they get into the front of the queue and they're saying can i have the cheapest ticket which is still expensive and they're being told oh they're they're all sold out they're having to buy more expensive tickets because of that and then they're going into these stadiums and looking across at where the cheap seats are and they're empty you know, and then we had the one of the World Cup cronies come out last week and say, "Well, we had to have an area cordoned off for a TV gantry that wasn't put in and and stuff." And it's like, well, that would have been the one game, first of all, where they did that setup, and second of all, in that stadium, they have a dedicated area for TV to be set up to have the view of like their panel mm. backing on, and so it was just it's bullshit, mate, and. Yeah. Like, I don't blame English fans at all to overpay for tickets, right, to, like, these games that are so one-sided. As I said in the, uh, the I think it was Samoa versus Greece, these World Cup organisers aren't able to sell rugby league in fucking Doncaster. If you can't sell rugby league in Doncaster, you should be fucking fired. Yeah. Yeah. It's only been played there for over a hundred years. 
Exactly. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's um, fucking some of the best players in the world turning up there. And all of these crowds, like the only crowds that I've seen that have been good, um, the England games. Yeah. And that's it. All the other ones I've, I've switched on and been like, holy shit, no one's there. Yeah. And I don't know why they even have tiered tickets. I think if they were smart right now, they'd say, right, round three comes along. All the tickets, I don't care where you sit, they're all the same price. And make them all the cheapest price. Sell all the tickets for fucking £10. The end of the day, you need to get, you know, an empty seat gives the gives the organisers in the game zero pounds. An expensive seat that you sell for 10, 10 pounds gives you ten pounds. That's ten pounds more than nothing. Get people in the seats for fuck's sake. Yeah, get yeah, do something. And the fans, especially the English fans, I'd even go as far as saying if you if you're an English fan and you've got a membership to an English club, turn up with your membership. Bam, I give them eighty percent off. Here, yep. you can have a ticket for. You know, four pounds, two but then pounds. How would you feel if you had paid through the nose? I know, but I mean, at this stage, um, they've got to do something. If you've paid through the nose, you know, I tell bring your ticket sub, you can go to the next game for free. Yeah, look, I agree. I agree. They've got this, to do something to try to and say something. thank you to the fans because the fans in England never get fucking thanked. Yeah, they do. There has to be some change, and there's not been a change so far. And look, we're seeing the the crowd numbers that they're announcing and it is like a really serious like at the there was one game oh, i wish i could remember what one it was well france and greece only had four thousand um fiji and italy had three thousand fiji and italy it was I, I watched that and when i switched it on i thought there's hundreds here okay the australian game was played i was told at a stadium that was thirty thousand seats and they posted 10,000 uh, 10, yeah. attendants. There was not a third of that stadium full, not at all. Yeah, that's a, that was a Coventry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and I was told it was 30,000, which looked about right. Yeah, it, it's, it looks not, kind of the similar sort of um, dimensions as Amy Park. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so, so, and, so then what do you what are we doing here? Like if we're playing fast and loose and no one's not attending, no one's bought a, a fucking gold plated ticket and has decided not to turn up to a game because they're too expensive not to. So if we're now bullshitting the, the crowd figures and the tickets are too expensive and the stadiums are mostly empty and the games are one sided, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, it's it's also backwards. And this is the yeah. thing, I mean, what have we got coming up in round three that might be making you feel like, uh, you know, we might be able to get some crowds coming in? Well, let me let me go across to the Women's World Cup. Round three, okay. New Zealand versus Ireland, walkover. England versus Greece, walkover. Fiji versus Scotland, walkover. Australia versus Italy. Australia oh, will still, still steamroll. I mean, Italy's at $251 to win. And that's um, short. Lebanon versus Jamaica. Lebanon should walk over Jamaica. That'd be a good one. Tonga versus the Cook Islands. That's that'd be an interesting game. Tonga should win it, but that'll be an interesting game. Yeah. Samoa versus France. I think will be an interesting game just because Samoa just isn't there. Um, well, we don't know what they're doing at the moment. France haven't been too disgraceful either. 
France uh, have been doing what France have been like just mildly disappointing, which is what France have done for the last few World Cups. And then PNG versus Wales, that could be uh, scary. It could be, yeah. <laughs> so it's again, there's nothing there that's really, and you've got games that Warrington, Middlesbrough, Lee. Um, totally Wicked Stadium in St. Helens, Kingston Park again in Newcastle, Sheffield, um, Headingley, Warrington. They're playing all of these games, bar one or two of them, in English heartland. And that's the thing. Like, it's not like you can look at these games and say, oh, this game was in some a part of the, you know, England where they don't even know what rugby league is. These are places where they know that the game's on, they know what they know it's just down the road. They've been to the stadium many times before and rugby league people are choosing not to attend. And whether it's because of the prices, the one sided matches, or that they just don't care about the teams that are there, we need to acknowledge that there's a problem and we can't keep repeating this problem over and over again. Yeah. It's uh it's it's been frustrating more than anything else. It really and look, is. And look, we're not. I'm going to make it clear too. Okay, this is not just a uh, a bashing of the game in England as well. There was a very no. similar situation when we had the World Cup in Australia recently. Um, there was a logistical nightmare for fans because so many of the games were played away from where the majority of the fans are, which was Sydney and Brisbane. Mm-hmm. All the games have been played in regional areas and stuff like that. I understand wanting to move the game around to try and help promote it and things like that. Um, but it was so hard to get fans to those games because they were so far away. It was It's just logistically stupid. So it's the World Cup organisers have done this stuff up more than once in more than one countries. But exactly. it's frustrating me more because the English fans have to go to more games just to support their team than what the NRL fans do. And then they're being asked to pay even more money than they normally would to go to World Cup games. And it's just, as a fan myself, I, I find that very, very frustrating. Um, the English fans have been propping up this game so hard in England for so long. And to get so little respect from, from the organisers, either and in England or in the International Rugby League, is, I, that really pisses me off. And, I, and they've clearly had enough. They've clearly had enough. And they're rightfully not, so. They're not even... They're not, they weren't turning up to their own semi-finals in Super League. Um, no. And the, look, I I asked about it, and people said to me, in the economic situation in England, it must be stressed to everybody that's that's in mostly our part of the world. We get, and I said this on the podcast, we get five percent increase on our energy prices, and we're like, oh, this is outrageous, right? They're getting three thousand percent increases. Yeah. Um, the, the the economic situation in that part of the world is at a point where you have to pull back on stuff you would normally do. And it's very clear that English fans are at a point where they have had to pull back on their expenditure in rugby league. And I'm not, I'm not attacking them for a second. I want to make that clear. But the rugby league authorities have not augmented their sales strategy and their marketing to adjust to that. And we saw that in the Super League games. We saw it in their semi-finals. That's what was 
what was said to, we saw we've seen it for a number of years now in the challenge cup all the way up to the final yeah. um we've seen it i think in the final you know yeah the super league grand finals have been getting smaller crowds yeah so um it don't think we're attacking the english fans we're not no 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 it's it's the organizers we, of these events yeah yeah we, we we like to joke around with english fans but at the end of the day um when it comes to stuff like this, we are one hundred percent on your side. Yeah. Um there's nothing nothing we hate more than fans being screwed over by organizers who only see fans as things that they can steal money from, essentially. Not steal, but you know, pickpockets sort of sort of thing. I suppose yeah. that's the same as steal. It's the but, same you know. No, you mean like robbing is what you mean. No. Basically no, just they are just raping your pocket. <laughs> no, 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 you mean uh <laughs> uh <laughs> We're not good at analogies. What can we say? No, I've I've got I've gone with three, and all of them were basically the same. <laughs> it's like you looked at a thesaurus for steel. Yeah. Um, What's worse than what I just said? Let's go with that. That's better. <laughs> shit. Now, one of the the things that we've seen, and you brought it up, was the comparisons of crowds between World Cups. And as you brought up the last World Cup in Australia, now I I said to you before the podcast how I had saved thousands of dollars to go to as many games as possible, and when they released the draw, it was clear that was out of out of the question. Um, you know, I think they've done a better job of that of where they've put games at this World Cup, but I also think that it makes like for like comparisons between. Um, between attendances difficult to do because it's not like for like it's a, a very different situation um for instance for for a fan in sydney to fly over to say perth or darwin even that's like flying across europe it's like flying to a game the other side of europe uh and probably costs more quite honestly yeah um so it's it's hard to to do that in terms of um, like for like attendances. But one of the things I noticed when I was bringing up my concerns on Twitter was every so often I'd get somebody that brought up 2000s World Cup, and it's almost like a PTSD situation when you're talking to somebody that remembers the 2000 World Cup well, and every single person that has brought it up, there has been zero. Um, apologies for what they feel they're seeing and what they're saying about what they're seeing because yeah. the 2000 World Cup was absolutely devastating not only to International Rugby League but to Rugby League in the UK and there's so many of the shadows of that World Cup hanging over this one and so many similarities. The weather is better for this one which is funny because that's one of the reasons the organisers used for their poor crowds at that point was that it rained in England. I used to joke <laughs> that for a long time. They said it rained. The weather was bad. It's like, yeah, um, the weather's been better for this one and the crowds are terrible still. And there's a lot of issues that were in that World Cup that we're seeing in this World Cup, including non-competitive games and things like that. And it's horrifying to me. Like it, it's like I'm, terrified that we're going to see an end to this tournament and I know what the organisers are saying and I don't believe them and I don't care if anybody cares that I don't believe them because I've seen enough fucking organisers come out and say we've got a profit, we've got a profit and three years down the track you find out that that World Cup 
was devastating to the finances of the international game. So excuse me if I I just think everyone's fucking lying about higher crowd figures and money being brought in because they've all got track records. And that scares me, Andrew. It really scares me because I want International Rugby League to grow. I want it to have money. I want it to be able to spend money in places that the game can grow in. And when I'm seeing what I'm seeing on TV and how poorly it's been run and how small the crowds are, I'm terrified of it. Yeah, rightfully so. Um, Also on crowds, I saw someone last week talking about doing a comparison of World Cup games after the first six games. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how 20, 2022 was better than 2017. And I did a look. And I looked at the first six World Cup games for every World Cup. And 1970 was the worst. Oh, and this is the total crowd figures after six games. In 1970, it was 50,019. Mm-hmm. 2000 was second worst with 54,000. 72, 58,000. Um, 1989, 62,000, 75, 64,000, 2017 had 75,000, and this year was 78,000, so there's only 3,000 more. Mm-hmm. 2008 was another 3,000 more, 81,000, 77, 83,000, Nineteen fifty four, the first World Cup in France, one hundred and seven thousand. Nineteen sixty, the third World Cup, one hundred and nine thousand. Nineteen sixty eight, one hundred and sixty six thousand. The second World Cup and the first one ever held in Australia in nineteen fifty seven, two hundred and fourteen thousand in six games. Goodness, we wow. can't sit here and go on about how good the crowds are. I have, yeah, sorry. Nineteen ninety five was the last time we had. 100,000, and 100,000 over six games, that's averaging 16,600 per game. That's not an unachievable target. No, no. We've only achieved that six, uh, five times in World Cups, and the last one was 1995. And I think that if you look at World Cups past 95, you can see certain things kick in. So the 2000 World Cup was a, just a disaster, absolute a cataclysm for rugby league. Um, so, and then we wait eight years and we hold a conservative world cup in 2008. And then we wait another five years and we go a little bit further, but so like there's little bits of building here and there after 2008. And I can, I can forgive some of that, but I feel like there's a point where you can reach too far. And it's, it's clear that we have too many teams in this world cup. And we have way too many teams from Europe. And uh, the tickets are too expensive. And and that is at the very least. That's like the very base problems that we have right now. And we need to acknowledge it. And we we can't explain it away. And we can't make excuses for people that are earning very good money to organise this There should have been so much hype over this because how much international football have we had due to COVID? Zero. Next to none. Yeah. There should have been so much hype over this until we only racked up 3,000 more attendees over the first six games than the previous World Cup and 12,000 less than the 2013 World Cup over the first six games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's There's nothing great about this. Um, you know, 
it, it's 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 almost depressing. It's so miserable. It does. And, I was sitting here thinking it makes us sad. We can't know? be sitting here gloating about getting such a low figure. As I said, a hundred thousand crowd over six games is sixteen thousand. How is that not a target you look at and go, that's what we need to be working towards? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to figure out, you know, we want to get a million people all up over the entire World Cup. This is stupid talk. Okay. You've got to look at it and go, how's about we just try and, regardless of what the ticket sales are, let's try and put the ticket prices down, make it achievable for people to come to so that we can actually celebrate this thing together. Because if you've got, you know, if you've got twice as many people coming to the games as you currently do, you can halve the prices and still make the same amount of money. Even Basically. You, I know there's if, a few things here and there. But. but even if you said if you've brought a World Cup ticket so far, we're going to give you an extra game that you can go to for free. Yeah. Right? So so no nobody that has paid heaps of money already feels like they've lost something, you know? That's right. Um, d- like, do something. And they've got time to. Yes, they do. They do. Because you've only got to sit down and have a meeting for an hour about this and put out a press release and change it, and you can, you've got a few days to set it up before the next round starts. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, and that I, you know, the other thing I would say is I've seen press releases put out and quotes by organisers of the tournament, and they've been saying this is going to be the best attended World Cup ever, and it's like, Google it, dude. Like anybody that's got Google knows that's a fucking lie. Yeah, it's the only way they can do that is by having more games than any World Cups ever had. I, I like. Is that like? Is it even possible then? <laughs> like that? I would feel like it's got to be on some like weird technicality. Hey, they'll say, "Oh, it's it's about how much we got in uh, receipts from ticket sales." I'm having a look now just to see if what the record is overall for for a World Cup. Yeah. Um, it's probably going to be one of the more modern ones because there were more games. Yeah, know, just more games. The yeah. crowds are getting too small back there. Um, so I think 20, 2013 had 570,490 all up. Mm-hmm. That's across how many games was that? 21, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 28 games. See, the, you'd think the final would be well attended. You would think of this one that I'm talking about, you would think that the England games will get pretty good crowds in the, the semi-finals and finals if they make it. But, like, if you told me that, say, Australia played New Zealand in the semi-final in front of 12,000 people, I wouldn't be terribly shocked. No. Actually, I'm going to need to amend that because there was two double-headers in there, I think. Um... Yeah, so it would have been closer to about 460,000 at the 2013 World Cup because there were two double-headers. Um, and where's this one currently sitting at? 139,000. And I, th- I think we're, we've got one more round to go, and yeah, we went through those games. We so. are very near the halfway point. Yeah. Okay, so... It's not going to be the most attended game unless they get huge crowds 
and let's be honest, they're not going to huge venues for the finals. They're going to um, Huddersfield, Hull, Warrington. That's for your fi- that's for your finals. They've also got Wigan, which I know is DW Stadium's not huge either. It can hold mm. a decent crowd. Mm. Um, Headingley, and then there's a game at London and the final at Old Trafford. Yeah, heading. I think Headingley can hold a pretty good crowd. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know where they're going in London. What's the venue in London they're going to? Uh, that is. Is it only? Are they going to Wembley? Uh, not Emirates Stadium. Oh, that's a, well. That's a. They'll be able to get a good crowd in there. Yeah. Um, as well, long depends. As I mean, they might charge three hundred pounds per ticket there. Look, if that if that game is. Say, for instance, Tonga versus, I don't know, PNG. And I, I'm not looking at the draw, so I don't know if they can even meet again. But say it's Tonga versus PNG, will they get a good crowd in there? No, it'll have they, – they need England to be playing in those last two games if they're going yeah. to get a big crowd. Yeah. They need England to playing at uh, at Emirates and they need England at Old Trafford. Man, it's just, it sucks. And people are, people are getting on my case on Twitter saying, you're so negative about it and stuff. And it's like, look at what we're seeing, man. How can yeah. you not be? It's the players are putting in. Even the players that are, are amateur players, they're there. They're putting in. They're playing the games. They can't help it if they're not good enough, right? I'm not even. I'm not saying the players aren't putting on the show, but they and they deserve better. And it's just terrible to see this for the international game because this is the stuff that makes people joke about international rugby league. That's right, and have done for a while. Um. Speaking of jokes, can we pivot away from the World Cup just for a moment? Yeah. Okay. The Lee Centurions, one of the uh, oh. one of the one of the <laughs> best run clubs in league. <laughs> <laughs> they they this week changed their name from the Lee Centurions. By the way, Centurions, great name, great yeah. colours. Changed their name to the Lee Leopards. Because their owner likes leopards. Well, alliteration is better, apparently. Yeah, and th- apparently their the logos they're using are, are a jaguar. It's not actually a leopard. <laughs> That's right. That's correct. Which is fucking hilarious. Reminds me of when New South Wales changed their logo to... Uh, they have a waddle as a logo, the government. Yes. And they changed their logo and someone pointed out that... Well, that's not a waddle. That's a lotus flower. <laughs> and it's I still, remember that. Yeah, it's still the same fucking thing. It's a lotus flower. It's not a waddle. It's a and, red flower. What do you want? I thought it was red. Fucking brilliant. Um, so, so yeah, they changed their, their name and did it without any consultation or anything. You can bet I tried to buy the URL, but it was already bought. Damn. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but the best but, part, the best part. Is the jumper? I've never seen it from the front. Interesting, bold from the back. A jaguar was ass. <laughs> the jaguar was ass. The only way they could have made it better is if the jaguar's tail had been pointing up, so you actually got to see the actual anus of the jaguar. That would have because been fantastic. That is so fitting. That is the worst jumper I've ever seen for any sporting team in any sporting organization in the entire history of organized sport on this planet. It's the filthiest, most disgusting thing ever. It's not a shirt. It's a sh- It's an absolute crime to fashion. <laughs> Who would wear that fucking thing? That is the filthiest, most disgraceful thing ever. It, and it's not even the colours of a fucking leopard. It's not the colours of Lee either. No. That was fucking idea ever. I hate it so much. And 
when you go on Facebook and Twitter and you look at the comments to the official announcement of the jumper, yeah, nearly every single person on there, Lee fan or not, is hating on it hard. How come <laughs> we weren't consulted? We didn't want this. We liked what the team had before. We liked the name. This looks atrocious. And they've just gone, we're changing anyway. Fuck you. Yeah, and, and like it looks like something that you would see in a fantasy rugby league competition from and somebody gets a, a jersey and they, you know, they call their team the Lee Leopards and they put a leopard on the front. But if somebody in that competition put a fucking Jaguar's asshole on that jersey, everyone in that competition would say, dude, you got the fucking ass on there. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I I contend that maybe that the owner of Lee is a quiet furry. I don't know. As but I said, if, if, I'm was... putting, if I'm putting the actual pattern of an animal mm. on a jumper, I'm not going to put its face on there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you know something from the side of it, like a tiger. You put the tiger stripes from the side of its body on there. Yes. That's the cool bit to look at. Sure, the face is cool, but it's not cool on the front of a jumper. And its ass is certainly not going to be a cool thing to look at on a jumper either. No. Unless, unless you make the... You know, like you've got a sponsor on the back and one of the letters in the sponsor's name is an I. <laughs> then it would be the best You can use ever. lowercase to fix that. Yeah. And you can sort of suffer. You can, you can hide it a little bit like that. So weird. It's just so weird all around. Like, if look, if I just can't imagine owning a, a footy team and, and wanting to fuck a leopard and saying, you know what, I'm just going with it. I'm putting it on the jersey. I don't care what anyone thinks. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful by Lee. Um they need to revert back to what they had last year and they need to get rid of the person who agreed to that and all the people who were yes-men to that as well. But it's the owner. It's I know. The fucking owner. I know. But what they've done is a crime against sport, not mm-hmm. rugby league, against sport, against humanity and against fashion. Um, I'd probably take them to the gallows. Yeah, I, I consider it a war crime. I'd, I'd take them to the Hague. Yep, absolutely. Um, that is the – it's atrocious. Yeah, I'd make them live in Lee. Oh, wait a minute. Um, so <laughs> No, mate, this, I'd make them move to Tamworth. <laughs> oh, shit. I'd rather live in Tamworth than Lee, hey? Oh, I'll no. Yeah, yeah. They've got to live in Tamworth, and they've got to hand out money to every single person who wants to go to McDonald's. <laughs> Here's I'm a fiver, it. mate. Bennett's planning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that was something that came out. And, you know, when I first saw it was they signed... Uh, it wasn't Richie Mathers. It was the, you know, the dude that every so often says something and has to go to counselling over it. <laughs> What's his name? You know the one I'm talking about. They've actually, for, for a championship side, are they championship? Yeah, they they're, are. They're coming up, though. I'm pretty okay. sure they're coming up. They do have, they have made some pretty decent signings, though, like for a Super League team. Um, they should be reasonably competitive next year. It's a shame that they're going up at the expense of a French team. Yeah. But they should be reasonably competitive. Um, but yeah, that jumper, especially on, on in Super League, that is that's woeful, man. There's been a few weird jumpers coming out. Um, Hull's got one, oh, which is maroon, and it's a tribute to the Queensland team that they beat in 1983. It's, it's and it's horrible. Yeah, it's so bad. Uh, it's a great sentiment, a great idea, but the execution is just bad. It looks like what if you look through a microphone, if you look through a microscope at syphilis, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> um, 
Huddersfield brought out a jumper, which actually I didn't mind. It, it went back more to their heritage. Yeah. Simple maroon with the V. Um, I do like that because um, that is that is their colours. That's yeah. proper. They, they've done the right thing there. Um, so I like what they've done there. There are a lot more jumper designs coming out over the next few weeks, so we might even do a bit of a preview on some of those. It's hard to do a preview on something you've got to look at, but, you know, <laughs> we've done Lee pretty well. Yeah, I think if you you probably know what the Lee jersey looks like now. Um, it's, yeah, that's white and grey with leopard spots on it and an anus. Yeah, yeah, that it's that's the other thing. It's like it's they took a a, a pretty interesting animal and made it dull. <laughs> yeah, why is it white and grey? What, what, like like lead, leads are white and red, and leopards are—they're not white and grey. They're no. not white and red either. Man, oh. how many leopards are there in Lee too? Well, I bet—I bet there's not many. There might be plenty of uh, yoga pants. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's about it. <laughs> like self-censoring has kicked in again. It really is. It really is. Uh, some, um, some, I tell you what, the the spandex in Lee has has to work really hard. <laughs> it's doing a lot of hard labour out yeah, there. It really is some heavy lifting going on there with spandex. <laughs> that is, that is, oh mate, it's good to end on a high note. <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> well, fucking, I feel sorry for Lee fans. Jeez, imagine having an owner like that. It'd be like being a Manly fan right now. How about all the shit going on at Manly? I swear, man, Manly are doing everything they can to take the wooden spoon off the West Tigers. I know, right? And the Tigers are doing their very best to hang on to it. Yeah, the Tigers. What did you, what did you think of the swap between Staines? Because it's obvious you need another winger at the West Tigers. Staines and Peachy, I think that that okay. can be a win-win for both teams. I've got a feeling here that Penrith might have put Staines on a higher deal than he should have been on. Yes, they did. And the, the Tigers are taking that off their hands, which means it's a bad decision by the Tigers. Tigers didn't need... Outside backs. This is not even a commentary on Charlie Staines. Mm. We don't really need wingers. We need forwards, and we need a halfback. Mm-hmm. Spending money on a on a winger, even though I'm pretty sure we only signed him for one year, mm-hmm. it's not helping us when it comes to our on-field attack, our on-field defence. Two areas we need to do a lot of work on. You buy a winger when everything else is fine, and you need someone to capitalise on all the opportunities you're creating. We're not creating opportunities at the moment. So Staines is just, you, I mean, you can put Adokar on the side on the wing. He's just going to get a cold out there. We don't need wingers at the moment. We need creators in the middle. We need forwards and we need good defense. We need to start building that up. But yeah, I've already seen quotes by Sheens that um, he's going to have a focus on youth and we're going to become a more entertaining attacking side. I was like, oh, here we go again. That sounds like something you hear out of rugby, rugby union. They say, we're going not- back. We're going back to running rugby. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, it's it's like that. something you hear back from in 2004. Yes, it is, isn't it? I remember when I was in my early 20s. It was great times. <laughs> great um, times. Yeah, look, for the, from Penrith's point of view, I, I think Staines is actually on a longer-term contract than one year. Hey, unless the West Tigers offered him more money to shorten um, his contract. I'm pretty sure Tigers, the, the deal was Tigers have only got him for one season. Okay. Um, I think Penrith have won out of this in a big way because – I think Peachy is more at home in the Penrith system, mm. and he will work very well in that lineup as a bench player because that's all he's going to be. They're going to put him on the bench. Mm. His role might change week in, week out, depending on who's injured or who needs a break or whatever. 
but he's capable of covering those roles, and that's where he's at his best. I think he'll take that Jamin Salmon uh, role. Jamin Salmon? He's the one that Ricky Stewart yeah, got he, upset about? Yeah. He, he could be in that sort of I don't know. I'd, I think it, um, he might also be there to maybe even give Yo a bit of a break every now and then, either side of half time. Yeah. So Yo might come off 10 minutes for half time and come back on for the last half hour. So he's doing, he's getting a full half hour off. Yeah, and it gives it'll give them a, an extra playmaker that can be a forward as well in the middle of the field, yeah. which is a little bit scary if you if it works out right. And worst case scenario, it doesn't work out, and he's only there for a year. You know, that's right. Um, but I think Peachy will go very well under that system, whereas we're not going to see anything different from Staines. Um, yeah. As I said, it's got nothing against Staines. I just don't think that the Tigers needed a, a winger right now. So to mm. me, it's a deal that Penrith made that benefited Penrith. Yeah. yeah not, that, was... not that the Tigers hanging on to Peachy was going to be of any benefit to them. It's just that they've, they've got rid of a player they didn't need and they've gone and signed a player they didn't need. The Tigers yeah. have just done a sideways move. Yeah, they just helped Penrith with their cap. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So yeah. someone, at, I swear to God, someone at Penrith uh, is they just toy with the West Tigers like the Luke oh, Garner yeah. thing when they got Garner, and it was like just as Garner was kicking on too. Somebody yeah. at Penrith knew that, that that was the right move, and and then this one, and it's just like they fuck with the West Tigers, and then the West Tigers get to the season, and their management gets pissy at the Panthers. It's very strange. It's a weird yeah. situation. Essentially, what what we've got here is the West Tigers are Penrith's bitch. <laughs> well, to be fair, everyone's Penrith's bitch at the moment. I know, but the Tigers are the saltiest. <laughs> they are. They the are biggest of them all. They are. That's which is funny. I find it abs- as a West Tigers fan, I find it fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. When they get Penrith, into Penrith, top of the ladder, premiers, Tigers. Everything opposite. And when they get stuck into Ivan Cleary, it's <laughs> just like, could it have worked out? <laughs> if Ivan, Cle- if you said to Ivan Cleary, Ivan, you're leaving now. You're leaving today. You're packing your stuff and you're going back to Penrith and it's messy. Just write down on a bit of paper the way you wish this would turn out. And you can be spiteful if you really want to be. I bet he wouldn't have written down what has happened. <laughs> It's been ridiculous, <laughs> but I find it funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is good. I've I've actually been able to have a rant that wasn't about the West Tigers today. That's been good. Now I tell you what, what, what just need, we need to talk about Manly because their owner is has gone. Have you ever seen Tropic Thunder? No. Okay. I I I don't think you're allowed to say the word anymore that they say in Tropic Thunder. But anybody that's seen Tropic Thunder knows that the, the Manly owner has gone full, full on, right? Oh, is and, this, um, the R word? Yeah, retard. That's the one. Yeah, I that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I think that word's still good. And we're still, we can still say retard. Uh, I, well, if you're quoting it from a movie, then that's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying it. That's right. I'm, it's a quote. I'm not saying it. I wouldn't say retard. No, no, no. And no, look, retard is used for more than just a way to describe a human. Well, you put, put you use uh, it as a way to suppress things. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get some um, like fire extinguishers have a fire retardant on it. I had I heard somebody else say, right, uh, and it wasn't me, that Manly Zone has gone full retard. He's got rid of Hasler. Weirdly, they're going to bring in Seabold. Yes, 
And he's got, am I right in saying he's got Flanagan as the assistant as well? Yes, because, I don't know if you know this, Seabold can't be there the entire time because he's committed to some rugby union. (laughs) So I think it's the England rugby union team. So they need somebody. That's why Flano signed, because he goes, this is my in. Yes, right? So they're doing that. Then there's something going on where the, the Ray Hadley was talking about how disgusting it is that the Manly Seagulls are treating like some relatives of Bob Fulton poorly or something. And I, like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, the, I, I'm pretty I, sure I, I've been looking at this from a distance for a while. I'm pretty sure what's been going on at Manly for the last few years since the Penn family took over is there's been this power struggle between the Fultons and the Penns. Now, that's always going to really end badly when one person owns the club and the other person doesn't. Yeah, it's like usually everyone knows their place, but for some reason I think the Fultons have a lot of um, power that the Pens don't, but the Pens have the ownership, which the Fultons don't. And I think it all sort of stems from that sort of a thing. Um, yeah. It's a, prof- it's a professional sporting team. It's not a charity event. That's right. And look, this is, this is a great great um result for news limited mm. um because now they've got one of their own flanagan in a club that's full of fucking rivalry and drama so don't be surprised if next year all we get because flano loves to leak to the media he did yeah. it at the sharks when they had their whole asada thing going on mm-hmm. um don't be surprised if you get just a fuckload of manly stories in the news next year more than usual that's that's my that's my hot take Excellent. And the, I hate that term. I know, you know you I hate like that term, you bastard. <laughs> um, and then, do you know they've got the new tags for all of the stuff you can do on Twitter? And one of them's hot take. I refuse to use it. I've used touching grass before I've used hot take. Um, but, but yeah, the. Well, I'm uh, surprised they've got one there specifically just for Brad Fittler. That's impressive. <laughs> well, when I first saw it, I was like. Is, is this a drug reference? But then it's like those people that go out and they say you've got to walk on the grass and all that fucking hippy-dippy bullshit. Yeah. It's like, why don't you go and sleep on it overnight and see how you feel when you wake up, you morons. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's weird situation that's going on there and so much stupid drama. And the owner will win at the end of the day because he owns the fucking club. But when the owner wins and everyone still loses, it's not a good situation. Don't they call that, isn't that called a, a Fyrick victory? A what? Fyrick. I've never heard that before. Oh, I'm pretty sure something like that. Yeah? Yeah. You might have you might have won, but you've actually end up causing more losses and gains anyway. Okay. Yeah. Something sounds, like that. Sounds like the budget at the Rugby League World Cup. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> what do you reckon they're going to spend the profits on? New vending machine? Oh, you know, you know who needs the profits, Andrew? Scotland and Ireland and Wales. Why That's not? yeah. They need the money. It's, why would you spend it in like developing areas well, like given the Pacific that all the Island Scottish? They'll give it to Scotland, um, Wales, and Ireland via the competition that um, their elite players play in, which would be. That's a Super League, I believe. Exactly. Yeah, I had somebody saying to me on Twitter, "You know what? The money in Europe." is so big and it's more important than the money that you can get for rugby league anywhere else in the world. And it's like, they're not fucking there. You idiot. 
What money? The money's not there. How, how much money does the uh, the Super League get in its TV rights compared to the NRL? I know it's so dumb. Right. We've we've had that argument done. Oh, another one I got. Another one I got. The reason that they can't play rugby league in Europe is because of state of origin. Because <laughs> <laughs> Australia, so the, the thing I got was in this one little corner of the world, they play a three tenant game series and that's the pinnacle of their game and that's why international rugby league's struggling. It's like you're going to blame a three-game domestic series for why people on the other side of the planet can't play fucking rugby league. Okay. Let's be let's be clear here. Okay, so international rugby league had a 76-year head start on state of origin. Mm-hmm. To establish itself, and it was established. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, International Rugby League was still superior to State of Origin after State of Origin started. State of Origin didn't really kick off as the pinnacle until probably I'd say around eighty seven, eighty eight. To to be fair, right. and that was that kind of coincided with this stupid World Cup decision they made in eighty uh, very early eighties, where instead of having an actual World Cup tournament. Mm. The third test of every test series between two test playing nations was deemed the World Cup game. And the idea was a lot of World Cup tournaments at that stage were starting to be decided as a clean sweep. Mm-hmm. So it was a way of making the third test more than just a dead rubber. You, like you're now playing a World Cup game. Sounds great on paper, but it means there's no World Cup tournament. All you had was in 1989, the World Cup final was played as a standalone test. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 88. And then they did the same thing in 89 to 92. And in, in the 1992, the final was played as a standalone test. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't work, surprisingly. Yeah, it's just crap. Yeah. Um, um, but that those two competitions being run like that did more to harm International Rugby League, especially the World Cup with concept, than what State of Origin did. Um, also, the dire crowds for the World Cup in the 70s were didn't help and you can tell the english were taking control of it during the 70s because when it started to look poorly they thought we need to do it more yeah yeah so we had there was a period there where we had i think three world cups in six years yeah 72 75 78 yeah something like that um yeah just kept doing them over and over and over again and then they came up with that idea for the 85 to 88 world cup and then the 89 to 92 one which is just nonsense. And then 95 got it back on track, but we had some issues there with half the Australian team not being selected. And But they've got it back on track, you know, yeah. and then 2000 rolls around and it's shoots tr- it twice in the back of the head. It's struggled since, let's be honest. It has struggled since 2000. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, we watch – anybody that watches a sporting event, they want to see a contest. Like, they don't watch the sport. It, the contest – is more important than the event itself. Like, if you're watching a World Cup final soccer game, even if you're not a big soccer fan, if it's a tense contest and it's really close, you can watch it, right? You can watch a tennis game that's the same way. Like, you can watch a lot of events that are like that. Yeah. If you're watching something that's not a contest, people just aren't going to stick around. And if hardcore fans, and I think we're both hardcore fans, I think it's fair to say, if we're watching these games and we're like, Oh, I've got another 20 minutes of this game to get through, you know, then we have to rethink what we're doing. Yeah, we saw it when they changed all the rules during COVID in the NRL. Mm, and yeah. the game's got all lopsided. People stopped watching. Yep. People started complaining about it in greater numbers than ever before. Yeah. People don't want to see floggings all the time. 
every now and then when you see a, a team rack up 60 or so like that, you're going, that was an impressive performance. Check out this. This is pretty crazy. This team got to 60. But when you see it every second or third game or every week, you're like, yeah. 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 Well, both of you and me said that the worst season we've seen was uh, the 2021 season. And yeah. and Penrith won it. It's not even like I can say, well, my team did shit and I just had no interest. Penrith won it. This yeah. season was much better, much, much better. Um but yeah, it's it's ah, it's terrible to see what's happening. And any of those people that are upset because I'm pointing out the bleeding—it's like I'm pointing out the bleeding fucking obvious here. It's not like I'm I'm saying, guess what? Hey, I got a fucking secret. I'm going to tell, tell you, Andrew. No one's turning up to fucking World Cup games. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's the bleeding obvious. So anybody that doesn't like hearing me stating truth over bullshit can get fucked. <laughs> they can literally get fucked because I don't care. Yeah. As I said, in the 60s, we got 200,000 people to six games, the first Amazing. six games of the World Cup. Why can't we look at that as a target instead yeah. of trying to look at, you know, maybe 10,000? Maybe some of these so-called fucking journalists, instead of writing puff pieces over a failing tournament so that they can keep getting their media passes and access to people, maybe they should report something that's actually going on. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be great, hey? That'd be good. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, that's been a very entertaining episode. It has been. It's been fun. Long overdue. It's been a while. I know. Yeah, I've, I told I told everyone that you had a problem with your choppers last week, eh? Yeah, I've I've, I've been into the wars a bit, so I've had uh, had a pretty nasty flu, which made me really uh, not so much tired, but really weak. Mm-hmm. And it lasted about four or five days. It was a crazy thing come out of nowhere. Wow. Then, sounds, I, then I developed a flu with a cough and sniffles and everything like that, and then almost lost my voice. That sounds twice as bad as COVID. Yeah. Um, and um and then yeah then had um. Massive um, gum pain on, I can't remember what that was, Monday night or something like that. So, so I think we were going to record on Tuesday and I woke yeah. up in the morning, my face had blown up. Yeah. Um, so I was on medication for that and then I broke my finger at work a couple of days later. For, for, for everyone that wants to know, it, I, I messaged Andrew and say, well, it's Tuesday. And I'm like, when are we ready to record? And he's like, well, I can't really talk very well and my face is swollen up. And I got a couple of things to do, and I got to go to the doctor, uh, and I'll record after that. And I was like, "Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Can't get better. What the fuck are you talking about? All I do is work, man. <laughs> I take my days off, and I do more work. Oh, so, yes, yeah, broke, broke my finger at work on Thursday, which yep. is my the, the first day of my working week at my actual job. Which finger is it? Uh. Point a finger on the right hand. Okay, yeah, that's the terrible. one. You, the one you use for fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, can't press trying to do buttons. Shoelaces, trying to do buttons up, trying to open drinks, you know, bottles and stuff like that. Yep, everything. Walking up to, to the like back of the. Trigger, I have to use like this, you know, the 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 motion you use when you pretend like your finger's a gun. I'm holding yeah. everything like that with that finger pointing straight out, so I'm not bumping it on anything. Yeah, you must have really hurt your finger when you saw the back of that Lee jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in so far. <laughs> I it back out. And I just got caught and twisted. Oh man, horrible! <laughs> but, uh, that seems to the pain starting to sort of really 
died down a little bit in the last two days, so it's, oh, it's all good. very manageable now. That's good. Um, yeah, it's just been a, just been physically abusing myself. Yeah, <laughs> funnily enough, I've been doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's been good to to get a podcast out. Um, yes. And we'll we'll we've I've lined up a guest. I don't know if you've heard about this. I lined up a guest for like in December, I think it is. Nice, nice. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard about that. They got, you have heard? Haven't. Okay. There's somebody it's somebody that is going on a holiday in November, but then they come back to Australia. I don't know if it's a holiday, it might be a working holiday or something. They run they they're involved in a uh a very good statistical rugby league website. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going on holidays in November. No, no. It must be somebody else that works on that website, eh? Wow. This sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Is it well, going to be a nighttime recording or a daytime recording? Well, I think it's going to be a nighttime recording for what? Yes, that... I know yeah. who it is. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, and I'm trying. I feel like there was something else I was going to tell everyone. Um. I can't remember what it was now. Fuck. That's okay. Yeah. We'll sort out later. Yeah. Well, they, we should record another podcast eventually. Hey. And Tomorrow. We'll... Yeah, let's do one tomorrow. We should Done. do that's uh I don't know. you're up till late tonight. We can do one tonight if you want. I could do one tonight. If you're up for doing one tonight, I'll do one tonight. I'm up for one doing one tonight. How many podcasts do our listeners want to hear? I want to hear heaps of them. They just don't want us to go off track and do podcasts that have nothing to do with rugby league. Actually, be, before we head off, you did do a poll. On what people want us to talk about in the in the off season. Yeah, and it was mostly they basically they basically like what we do now, where we talk about rugby league, and then maybe at the end we'll we'll talk a little bit about something else. But they didn't want us doing they didn't want to tune in and hear us doing fucking food reviews or something like that. Although people did enjoy our Die Hard episodes when we we watched Die Hard. So okay. Did makes, I say did I say a recommendation that someone suggested we should do Predator? Yes, they did. They did. Well, we'll keep that on mind. Well, yeah, maybe we should make that like our Christmassy, New Year's yeah. sort of thing that we do. I mean, Predator is one of the better Christmas films. I think, yeah, I think it's the best Christmas film, hey? Well, we've already done the best one. Well, oh, well, Die Hard, yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's one of the best films of all time, Predator. There's no, oh, absolutely. There's nothing on that you can take out and make it a better film. It's just No, no, better. it's perfection from start to finish. Yeah, and I agree with everything Jesse Ventura says in that film. Yeah. Can you understand what he says? <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> I can speak like Jesse Ventura too. You wait. When we do that when we do that episode, it's just I'll I'll do the whole thing as Jesse Ventura. Awesome. Alrighty, I've got a child starting to complain, so I might have to head off. Excellent. Thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> Thank you.